Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. Strike, 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 strike. Ready to strike, Roshni? Is this Newsies or something? <laughs> Newsies? No, it's not Newsies. It's 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 WGA negotiating time. Oh boy! You know, and we haven't we haven't really talked about this since before the pandemic. I mean, we kind of have, but I don't think there's been any really big movement since before yeah. the pandemic. I think I think we mentioned it a little uh, a while ago that they had they had just put together their negotiating committee and. We're going to start talking about it. And now this is what's come out of those early meetings. Mm-hmm. It's all in the news on The Hollywood Reporter about, you know, they're kind of like trying to figure out what their priorities are going into negotiations. And it's it's kind of a, a long laundry list of, you know, wants. Maybe, you know, it's one of those things where you put a million things on the table and hope you get, you know, some of them. But I think, you know, from what the articles are saying, there are some pretty hard line objectives that they have going forward and some of the stuff we've talked about before not even in relation to you know contracts and negotiations it's just that how the industry has changed and how you know the writers contracts have not kept up to the changes in the industry yeah and i will say right now before we get into it i am impressed because some of it it's like it's about time and some of it i'm like good on you for the forward thinking but let's get into what exactly they're asking for so go ahead well, the first one we've been talking about a lot, and that's regulation of writing by AI. Oh so, my gosh, so, it's no, everywhere it's, right now. <laughs> yeah, and and it's really great that the the WGA is is putting some you know effort behind ta- at least talking about it because you know we've actually seen I've seen stories about people who have actually lost their jobs to AI mm-hmm. as yeah. writers. Yeah, or or how companies are not hiring the writers they plan to have hired because they realize now they can do that with AI. I think right now where it stands, and again, AI is constantly evolving, BuzzFeed replaced a lot of their, I mean, I don't think they have a huge writing staff anyway, because I know they've been on the decline, but they replaced a lot of people with AI, a lot of their writers. And then Netflix uh, was called out for using AI background art for their mm-hmm. animation. So right. it's already infiltrating, not, not even counting things like college students using it for their essays you know, which of course is already happening. And we did a whole episode on AI just a little mm-hmm. while ago and you can read, you can watch that again or listen to that again and yeah. get into all those gory details. But it's good that the WGA is, is putting it on the table to discuss it because, you know, literally, and, and we've talked about how, you know, I think it's short-sighted to think that the studios won't try to do that, you know, to use mm-hmm. AI in various me- means from generating story ideas to writing whole scenes or writing whole scripts. Or in your case with the novels, writing novels. I mean, because there's no ethics around it. But the other thing that's interesting, too, is not just using AI to write scripts or novels or whatever creative things. But if they ask their people, hey, can you, you know, input something in here? The more you feed it, you're still helping it. You know what I mean? And I I know you can't stop it. Like the technology is already out there and it's basically kind of gone rampant. But if I feed my script into it, I'm also helping it become smarter to basically write my scripts in the future. Yeah, it's the old idea of remember how um, 
in the the big days of the layoffs, it was like, hey, Bob, sorry, but we're firing you. And here's this kid who's, you know, 20 years younger than you. Can you teach him to do your job? It's kind of like that. Yeah, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you teach someone who will never die and doesn't need pay and yeah, doesn't need they're never insurance? Getting laid off. <laughs> they're never getting laid off. They're going to be there forever. Yeah, I can't wait to have the first AI studio executive. That would be cool. <laughs> well, I mean, would they be would they be giving notes by committee? Can you imagine an AI committee? Oh, that'd be horrible. How would that work? But anyway, <laughs> dystopian <know>. future. <laughs> would the AI automatically generate conflicting notes just to screw with the writer? <laughs> Oh, wouldn't that be hilarious <laughs> if like all the AI actually agreed on the notes? Yeah, right. Th- that would be like the one good thing about it. You're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so that's the more existential uh, negotiating item. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to the more hardcore stuff, the more, you know, kind of numbers stuff is, you know, money. And they want to increase writer minimums for film, TV, new media. Especially, uh, there's a lot of focus on things about the minimum number of weeks um, because uh, uh, called uh, also something called span protection. And that's mm. where maybe you have these short, short seasons of eight or 10 episodes, but you're working on them for longer than it would normally be for those kinds of things. Like, you know, in episodic, you know, network television, you know, they're cranking them out. They're like week after week after week. But mm-hmm. when you're doing streaming, you have a lot more time. And sometimes they even write all the episodes before they even go into production. So they may stretch out that writing time and have you writing for, you know, you know, 10, 15 plus weeks on, you know, a 10 episode season, which is, you know, would be more than you would have spent on that if you were writing on network. So they want to figure out how to, like, deal with minimum number of weeks as well as, you know, compensation for when it takes a long time to to, you know, write those longer or those shorter seasons. I mean, that's an interesting thought, and it's not one we've ever actually brought up until you mentioned it just now. But remember, I think I've said this a while ago, with streaming, streaming is basically just mini movies. They already know the beginning, middle, and end before they even shoot it. You know, they they maybe go over like six episodes instead of, you know, a season uh, is 22 weeks in broadcast. The casting directors are also film casting directors, not necessarily TV. So streaming really functions like film. And I never did ask the question, like, are writers for streamers getting paid like it's a movie or a TV show? Because I would think that that's very different because of the time commitment. Right. And then, well, yeah, exactly. And then it's also like if you're doing uh, shorter seasons you know, you don't have as many episodes to to re- earn residuals on. So they want to increase the residuals. You know, like if I write, you know, two episodes of a 10 season, you know, season, rather than writing four or five episodes of a 20 something episode season, I don't have as many episodes to get residuals on. Well, the other thing is, and this wasn't necessarily in the Hollywood Reporter article, but with broadcast, they can figure out if something is in syndication or if it's getting replayed or whatever. But with streaming, you kind of don't really know how often a show is getting viewed or how popular it is unless the streamer tells you that it's popular. You know what I mean? They haven't, they haven't figured out how to, to quantify it. 
Well, they, so how do you the, the streamers know how to quantify it. They know exactly how many minutes of everything. Okay, yes, on. but they're it's not just telling, whether or not they're telling everybody yeah. else. And so how, how do writers? Yeah, how do writers quantify a streamer and go, you know, hey, my my show has been aired, you know, three times on repeat or whatever? Because before, remember reruns? That was the whole goal of syndication. You wanted to be in reruns. You wanted your show to play forever, like Friends or whatever. But they don't. Ha- it's different now because the model is different, and because not everything's transparent. Mm-hmm. Right, and you, the syndication is another thing. If you're, they're just keeping. If they're just continuing to play the show on their streaming service, they're not syndicating it, but they're replaying it a lot. So I don't know how those yeah. are different. You know, if you get paid differently for reruns, so-called reruns on the the same network versus, um, you know, syndication, which is off network. So correct me if I'm wrong, is the Writers Guild just asking for more money up front for streaming, for streaming writers? Or are they also asking? I mean, I guess because it could go one of two ways. Like, we don't know if something's getting repeated views on a streamer. So just give us more money up front or give us more money up front. But also let us know if a show's being repeat, you know, on repeat views. Um, are they the, asking the for one or the weren't other? that specific. Okay, but they're asking yeah. for both. I mean, they're asking for more money on everything. They want okay. higher minimums. They want um, increased residuals. They want, you know, um, they want overall, they want larger budgets for writing shows. You know, you have something like a Lord of the Rings, which is, was it a 50 or $100 million TV show that was only eight or 10 episodes? You know, that's a huge budget for a TV show. But are the writers being compensated proportionally? Mm-hmm. You know, like in film, in general, the screenwriter's fee is usually a one and a half to two and a half percent of the budget of the film. They don't do that in TV, obviously, but, you know, percentage wise, a screenwriter's fee usually scales with the budget of the film. With TV, that doesn't happen. It's usually based on the schedule of minimums and what have you or, you know, whatever, you know, negotiated contracts for, you know, established writers, what they can get kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see because I know negotiations end on March 7 and then, uh, well, not end on March 7. I should, let me correct myself. Uh, the guild members have until the 7th to say what they want. And then the negotiations start in mid, mid-March and I believe yeah. uh, May 1st. Is it right? May 1st is when the contract, the expires, contract expires. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they have until May 1st to time. figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. Some more money issues that that go into that um, in the film side is uh, getting feature writers, uh, they call it two-step payments. So instead Mm -hmm. of getting paid, you know, you know, when the film, the the first draft is done or something like that, uh, stretch, spanning those payments out a little further. So, you know, if you're working on something for a long time, you're not, you know, starving while you try to finish something. So that's one of the things. And the other thing was, and this is, this is really interesting for how the industry is going is standardizing the compensation for films regardless of whether they premiere on streaming or theatrically so if a film has a, like this is what i was just talking about if a film has a budget you know uh, whatever the budget is getting paid based off of that budget percentage wise like a typical theatrical film is even if it's just going on to streaming because mm-hmm. otherwise i don't you know if uh tv films i'm not sure i'd have to go back and look at the nba to see tv films are you know have a different schedule than theatrical films so they kind of want to make those the same. Which I think that's totally fair because, I mean, the whole idea of like, remember like the made for a TV movie? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that really exists anymore in the streaming world. And thanks to the pandemic, like being on 
a streamer for your initial debut kind of counts as a theatrical release. And honestly, even some of the theaters aren't doing that hot. So like, you know what I'm saying? I always thought it was kind of silly. Like, oh, I got my film in a random local theater for like a week and that was my theatrical run. And now I can go get an award. I'm like, that doesn't, that counts really? You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you can get on a streaming platform, that should count as a major international, you know, release, right? I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think it shouldn't matter anymore, but um, this has nothing to do with that because that's a that's a discussion for the awards, you know, institutions, the the academies and what have you. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who decide what qualifies for a Oscar and what qualifies for an Emmy and vice versa. And it has nothing to do with how much they're paid. So, but this is specifically about how much you're paid, you know, regardless of where it streams theatrically or, you know, to a writer, it's a movie. You know, where, yeah. you know, because a lot of times, you know, low budget films get made into theatrical releases and high budget films only get released online. It, it, it's it can be either way. Now, wait, when you say compensation, do you mean their initial fees for writing it? Or are you talking about like back end stuff based on like ticket sales no, or viewership or something like that? No, this is all based on just how much you're paid for the script. Oh, OK. You know, and obviously, if you have a spec script, it's whatever that's negotiated versus you know, if you're hired, this is, this is, I think more of if you're hired to do a script, you know, because oh, okay. that's what, that's what the, the, the MBA is about is, you know, we're going to hire you to write this film, you know, well, is it for streaming or for a theatrical, you know, it's, it's like, do you pay me based on the budget of the film or, or the venue it's being released on? Yeah. And I think that's why they're doing that. Cause you know, we talked about, you know, the back end is disappearing for films that don't go to theater. Mm-hmm. Unless, like we talked, like you talked about just a few minutes ago, if that data is available to talk about how many people are watching it, especially now that a lot of the streamers are going ad supported or at least having ad supported tiers, you have to start calculating that. So if there are going to be ads during the film, you know, how is how is the writer compensated based on that? Just like as if they were doing a TV show. Ah, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Streamers mm-hmm. are becoming just like broadcast TV. Now, here's a question, um, and it's fine if if you're like, I don't know what this is. I wasn't sure what they meant in this, uh, w- what they meant by this in the article. The Guild further states that it seeks to address the abuses of mini rooms. What is a mini room? Yeah, that's the first I've kind of heard of it. Um, yeah, they want to set. Um, it's about the size of the staff in the room. I guess on some of these smaller you know, shorter seasons. They're not so, not necessarily smaller shows because they could be very mm-hmm. big shows with short seasons. They may be understaffing the writers and just having the writers do more work as opposed to having, you know, I don't know if there's a formula for like number of episodes, you know, divided by X equals number of writers you have to have. I don't know how that works, but I feel like that's probably what it's about. Oh, interesting. That would be definitely something to look into because I mean, I never thought that there were minimums that you had to have. I mean, obviously, like the more people you have, you know, the more you can get things done. But I didn't think that it was like I I would I guess I'm assuming you just hire the best people for the job and it doesn't matter how many people are in the room, whether it's five or or 15, you know, kind of thing. Well, you've been in a room with some of your recent work, so you kind of know what it's like to be in a room and however many episodes you're doing and how, how much work is put on each person. 
how does that, how do you feel like the, the load is and how do you feel like, do you feel like there's enough writers? Do you not feel like there's enough writers? Well, okay. So to be fair, uh, there were four of us to start. There's three now. And I don't think it's a matter of load. I think it's a matter of deadline. Honestly, I never feel like, oh my gosh, you know, we are not, uh, you know, there's too much pressure on me because our deadlines are very fair and they're, you know, it's not like I have to, I guess, let me put it like this. My deadline to write a script is not the same as the deadline for when the project is actually going to be completed. Like if it was like, okay, guys, we're writing 22 episodes and we're we're starting to film next week. That's one thing, you know, but because we're not doing that, it doesn't feel horrible to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I understand. But in, a, in like a, a broadcast situation where you've got 20 plus episodes a season, yeah, you know, the difference between three writers and five writers is a huge difference. It, that's true. But yeah. then again, the other thing, too, though, I mean, and again, I, I can't speak to being in a broadcast room, but everybody has their strengths. So, I mean, like, I would assume that you're like, OK, Joe's really good at story and Susie's really good at character and and you're really good at polish and you know what I mean like I would assume you'd play to their strengths and not have five people who can only do one thing I don't know I I mean I I, I think in a room like that you kind of have to be able to carry all the buckets in some mm. cases but the you know the story editor or the the showrunner is going to review everything and they oftentimes they do the polishing because they're the they're the ones who are responsible for like the overall tone and voice you know, you want to have writers who can stick to the the tone and voice of the sh- of the episodes of the shows, but it's really the showrunner who's responsible for making sure that they know it and that they make sure it gets translated in the final you know script. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah. yeah. I'd be I'd be curious to know what is a mini room and what are the abuses because that to me is very vague and it was the first time just like for you that I was like oh I didn't didn't know this was going on okay you know yeah. Um, the last couple things on the money side would be, um, comedy and variety work. You, you write some comedy stuff Mm -hmm. in new media specifically. So writing stuff for YouTube and streaming and TikTok and that kind of stuff is at, they want to add to the, the minimum basic agreement payment for those kinds of things, you know, for skit writing, I guess, you know, so I don't know if, if, if they ever had something like that. Or if you were a writer on like an SNL, obviously that would be different than if you're writing for, you know, a YouTube channel kind of thing. Well, okay. First of all, we got to stop calling it new media. It hasn't been new for quite some time. Good, uh, true. It is, Good point. It is just it is just online media at this point. I guess you'd have to ask, where is it originating? Because, for example, SNL originates in broadcast and they just happen to put their scripts or their scripts, their sketches up online later. So they could probably get royalties for being on YouTube, but they're not going to get additional money, right, for writing the script. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I'm trying to think of, gosh, what's even out there anymore, comedy-wise, you know, um, like Smosh. I don't even know if Smosh is still around. I don't think they are. But, you know, something like that, uh, that, you know, was known for um, sketch writing versus... Because the other thing, too, is a lot of YouTube is reality TV. Like if you had to break it down, what mm-hmm. online stuff is, it's either scripted or it's reality. You know, it's still the same yeah. same thing. I see a lot less scripted YouTube um, things, uh, even the animated kind of stuff. It uh, It is all usually reflective of, you know, current events or media mm-hmm. or, you know, movies and stuff. There's, you know, it's funny. 
this is kind of a bit of a side tangent, um, but it does kind of actually go a little bit into um, what I'm working on right now, Punch and Roll, which is the uh, tabletop role-playing live stream that I work on every other Wednesday. And it's funny because we were talking about, we, we repurposed some of the YouTube live shows for like TikTok and Instagram and stuff. And um, the people on the show have also begun doing little sketches and the sketches perform a lot better. And YouTube, I mean, I know this is kind of how I use it. A lot of times I use it as reality TV, like how to's or, you know, current events or a deep dive into a certain topic. I very, I very rarely watch it for scripted stuff. And we were t- when we were talking about the sketches for Punch and Roll, somebody made a comment about like, oh, my gosh, do I have to be like full makeup and costume? Blah, blah. And I'm like, it'd be fun. But honestly, the whole point of social media like TikTok and stuff, it doesn't have to be super polished. It's kind of more fun if you do make a little mistake or your wig is a little off or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As opposed to broadcast or streaming where it's super polished comedy, you know, great writing. Someone's looked it over 50 million times, that sort of thing. But social media, the whole point of it is you kind of want it to look raw. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But then if you do that, like, how do you get compensated? You know what I'm saying? It's a, like a, this is a bit of a rabbit hole here. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole the whole you know social media um content kind of thing is it's really dependent on the um the creator to like figure out their own monetization at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not regulated from a you know a, there's no uh social uh I mean we've talked about them trying to get some influencers into you know into the union and having agents and stuff like that but as far as just you know day in day out content creators they're on their own as far as how am i going to monetize this and even the main platforms youtube or um t- t- uh, tiktok or tw- twitch won't compensate you enough to survive on alone all of these yeah. guys have to do multiple things and they have to get the endorsements and they have to get the sponsors and they have to get the you know all those sorts of things sponsored even you know sponsored videos or sponsored uh posts yeah but interestingly enough, kind of circling back, SAG-AFTRA is the only union that has actively pursued content creators, and again, there's a threshold, to be part of their union. Writers Guild has not, Directors Guild has not, Producers Guild has not, but when you are a content creator, you wear all those hats. Right. So. WG has a new media membership function, but it's really focused on scripted you know new media. Uh, yeah yeah i was not, gonna say it's not for like a little tiktok dance or something yeah, it's not meant no. for that yeah back into the writer's room for a second mm-hmm. one interesting thing i i saw was that they they have a thing about um staff writer and story editor tenure that i thought was interesting um how long can a writer be in one of those positions like before you move up, like you can be a staff writer for so long or a story editor for so long before you get to move up into, you know, I don't know if it's, a, you know, a, a producer role or a, a showrunner role, that kind of thing. Wow. I'm looking at the article right now. Wait, where is that? Or is that something separate? No, it was in the article. Um, huh. I'm looking at it right see, now. Uh, but anyway, carry on. So tenure as a certain position. You know, I don't know if there ever really was a. I think it was in a different article, actually, was the thing. 
I mean, it's it's not like when you're in a writer's room that like, well, I mean, in any field now, it's not like the whole I started in the mailroom and now I'm the CEO type thing. But yeah. a lot of times I felt like if you jumped, if you tear jumped, it was because you jumped programs like, oh, I started out as an assistant on, you know, this show. And now I'm a full fledged writer on this show. And now I'm a showrunner on this show. But it's not necessarily an uh, a vertical vertical progression. It's more like a jumping horizontal kind of zigzag, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's how I've always thought that it works. So they're saying within a certain show. Yeah, this is there was actually another article on negotiations. Uh, and they said that they were discussing setting limits on how long a TV scribe, they called it, can be mm-hmm. kept in the roles of staff writer or story editor. You know, they say with the increasing number of uh, increasing budgets, they, they, they should have a minimum number of weeks that you have on employment, but you shouldn't be stuck in that role for, you know, too long before you get mm-hmm. to move up. I mean, I mean, I guess it depends on how many seasons your show goes. You know, it's not like the, the studio is hiring the writer. It's the show that's hiring the writer. So I feel like that's, kind of hard to say because you could be a staff writer on one show and then go to a different show and be a staff writer and i don't know if that all that staff writing becomes accumulative or not like if you go to another show do they have to make you a story editor and then after you do that for you know if if because there's a lot of shows that have been canceled after one season lately it's like a yeah. really high percentage are getting canceled these days even shows that are really good i think i just saw something that said wednesday uh, from you know Netflix was was going to get canceled, but I haven't confirmed really? that yet. Yeah, I, I know it was, it was such a hit. I thought they had picked it up for a second season. I did too, Seriously? but then I are I, you sure? I'm 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 not positive. I have not confirmed. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it was it, it might have been clickbait actually. Um, let me double check. I'll Google it again and see if it's uh no, it's I found it's renewed. So maybe maybe okay. that was um it was a different Wednesday. Maybe it was, <laughs> it was a different Thursday. Wednesday. <laughs> I might it it might have been clickbait. I don't know. Um, it was like something at the bottom of an article of something. I think I saw. In fact, I think it was on the Hollywood Reporter. It was like an, you know, have the at the bottom of the articles they have those kind of quasi ads slash oh, yeah, articles. Yeah. Might have been one of yeah. those. But anyway, the idea is that there are a lot of shows that are getting canceled after one season. So if you're a, a staff writer on a show, that's great. But then you get, you know, your show gets canceled every every season you know, no matter how great your show is, it could get canceled and you keep kind of resetting the clock, so to speak. You know, if you're on a sh- the same show, like you're on CSI and you're on it for seven years and you're still a staff writer, then that becomes an issue. Like, uh, shouldn't we have moved him up yet? Well, but then you have to argue, like, I mean, really the only difference is pay because if you're a staff writer, what's the next position beyond that showrunner? So does everybody become showrunners? You know, like 15 of you all graduate at the same time? Like, what is it? Just senior staff writer? Like, what's the next title beyond that? Well, there's story editor. Yeah. There's okay, story, so what's, a story what's editor story and, editor? So you're, you're, well, you can be an assistant, first of all. Some people start as, you know, writing, writing assistants or whatever, producer assistants. Mm-hmm. But then you can go to a staff writer. Then you can go to a story editor. Then you get into things like co-producer and producers which at some level in there, there's, um, you know, the showrunner is usually the executive producer. So there's mm-hmm. a supervising producer, co-executive producer. So there's a lot of levels in there, mostly in the producer level. So uh, but those are all say, still though, writers, though. I mean, well, I don't know. I really, I didn't know the producers also wrote. 
Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, the executive okay. producer is always usually the showrunner. Yeah, but even they don't, like, write everything. That's why they have everyone else. They're the ones reviewing all the scripts, though, yeah. you know, and doing some rewriting. But I guess my point is eventually you you title out. There's only so far you can go. Right. Until you're the showrunner. That's you kind know of at I the mean? top, unless you're going to run the studio. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the only thing I can think of for the... the Tear jumping is just to get more pay. Yeah. Well, honestly. executive producer is kind of a vague title anyway, because it can be the money. It can be the yeah, guy who say. owns the studio. It could be it the guy be... running around doing all the things. And yeah. It, or, and it could be the, and it could be the showrunner, right? I mean, JJ yeah. Amber, Abrams is the executive producer on everything that, you know, Bad Robot does, but he doesn't, he doesn't write everything and he doesn't showrun every, everything. Yeah. 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 But he is, you know, he's involved in them. But yeah, see, there's there's a bunch of, you know, after story writer, you got story editor, then you get into co-producer and producer levels and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just more responsibility, I think, at at some of those levels where you're more like you're overseeing writers at that point and reviewing more, you're you're involved in more review level stuff. Anyway, so they just want to kind of like, you know, figure that out. But that's that's the interesting question there I have is like, is that is that based on the individual show or is it based on total work? You know, like if I've been a a staff writer on two or three or four shows, does that mean I can't be a staff writer on another show and I have to be promoted to story editor? You know what I'm saying? Honestly, like, okay. So I know like with the writer's guild is a little different than some of like the crew guilds where like the crew guilds, you have to log in X amount of hours on a union set before you can get your union card, depending on what type of, you know, local it is. And I think with the Writers Guild, it's what, like a theatrical release or X amount of hours in a TV show. So that's where I can see it counting. Mm -hmm. But honestly, so basically the way you've just described it in layman's terms, it's either like I'm an employee or I'm a manager. Well, some people don't want to be managers. Some people just want to write. They don't necessarily want to be bumped up to producer and have to do the other things. True. That would be my thought, you know. Mm -hmm. Give them more money, yes, for being there for a long time. But if they don't want to be producer... (laughs) Right. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just saying. And there are people who want to show run, but they don't want to be the creator, you know, that kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're totally capable of running the show, but not being the one responsible for that, like, the idea kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would you, I mean, random aside, would you want to be a showrunner for your own show or for something that somebody else came up with? Depend. If it was someone else's show, I'd have to really be into the concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'd have to really, I mean, obviously you'd have to be on this totally 100% the same page as the, the creator. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I think before I would have been like, oh no, I have to show run my own concept. But now after having been in a writer's room for close to a year now, I kind of also like being able to divorce myself from the property. Like, mm-hmm. If my boss has a has a change, I'm like, cool. In the end, it's your thing. I'm happy to do whatever you need me to do. You know, whereas if it's your concept, you might be a little like, no, don't touch it. It's my baby, you know. So there yeah. is something to be said about having that distance from it and still mm-hmm. being able to execute well. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Let's see. Last thing on my list um, is going to be the old standbys of they want to combat discrimination, harassment, and work towards pay equality those are kind of like i think those are always be on every list of uh negotiating things 
because it still happens no matter how, how mm-hmm. much people want to say it doesn't. Yeah. No, yeah. that's good. So they've got that's a good, good list of priorities. It's a long list. My list is like, what is it? A dozen items there. Which ones are they going to like, like the, like the one article said, you know, the hill to die on, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it seems like uh, there's a lot here that, that, you know, I don't know any of them that the studios can really argue with that much though. I mean, if I was a studio exec, you know, you're always trying to do things, keep things under budget and stuff like that, but it's hard to justify not paying your writers more when you're spending 50 million or a hundred million on, on a Lord of the Rings, you know, series kind of thing. I know. Right. Yeah. I feel like, honestly, I feel like the, the pay issue with the streaming and all that kind of goes hand in hand with the AI. Because if they're kind of like, Oh, we don't want to pay you more and we'll use AI. You know what I mean? Whereas if they're like, no, we're committed to the human writer and also we'll put ethics in around the new technology. I kind yeah. of feel like those two really go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if the studios just want to say they don't want to use writers anymore, then they don't need a contract. <laughs> they could just use AI, but oh then, but then no writers would work for that studio. It's like that studio would be blackballed. And, and, and at that point you have to wonder, well, do the directors, do the producers, do the, do the actors, you know, stand with the writers at that kind of that perspective? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's That'd kind of like when they, when they start doing, um, you know, production with all artificial characters, you know, the voices, the, you know, the motion, they don't even need to do the motion capture anymore. They just have the AI do the motion, you know, the animation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's always, Maybe a, they there's need always another human. There's always another human you can cut out of the uh, equation, I guess. I was going to say, maybe they need to come up with, because right now I think kids don't want to be astronauts or even movie stars. They want to be content creators. So if you start going, AI is moving into content creation, then everyone will be like, no. And Gen Z will be like, no, we're putting our foot down. You're taking away our jobs of the future. Right. Where do you draw the line, right? Yeah. Well, this is where the the line is drawn by the WGA. We'll have to see what they put into their final, uh, you know, uh, slate of requests when they go to negotiate. We'll keep you guys informed. Follow us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's it for our social media, right? Yeah. At WG Therapy. And we will talk to you guys in a few weeks.